where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford Podcast. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I ask you to bear with me today. Um, my microphone that I normally wear is broken. And so, therefore, I have to use this handheld. And uh, I got a feeling we're going to fight before it's over. So, um, just bear with me if you don't mind. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 10 through 20. And and with that being said, I'm going to make some references. So if you want to make a mark in your Bible, we're going to also look back at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And we're also going to look at 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1. So we'll be in Ephesians 6. Then we'll flip back to Matthew 4. And then we'll look at 2 Peter. Um, For you that uh, might be gathering with us today and have been with us in the past, normally... We are walking through a specific book of the Bible. However, we just finished up Romans a few weeks ago, and God began to stir in my heart and began to really stir in my my thoughts that, Fish, we need to take a break this summer from actually looking at an individual book, and we need to look at some practical ways as believers— Hear me, church. We need to look at some practical ways as believers to be able to fight the battles that we find ourselves in. And so this morning is really a continuation of last week where we looked at in Matthew chapter 4 where the word literally says, listen to this, Matthew 4.1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You see, church, he went there for a purpose. Many think he went there to model for us what it looks like to fast, and he did that, 40 days and 40 nights. But on the last hour, Jesus found himself in a battle. And church, the reason he found himself in a battle is because of the simple fact, just like you and I will fight battles every single day of our lives, I am thankful that we have a high priest, as the writer of Hebrews says, that doesn't, he's he's not a high priest that doesn't understand what we go through. He's not someone that stands in the gap for us as if he wasn't tempted in every way that we've been tempted. But the difference is he succeeded by overcoming that temptation. So church, we're in a battle. The other thing is, is that as we look at this battle, God has given us the tools and the resources and the protection within this battle. So look with me this morning at Ephesians chapter 6. By the way, um, we will be handing these out at the end of the service. 
we will be handing these out at the end of the service, and it just actually has English, uh, English, it's written in English. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 20, English Standard Version, the, the whole armor of God. And what I'm going to encourage us to do, church, over the summer is for us to memorize these 10 verses. And some of you, like some of our sweet folks that are here with our, our, our families this morning are like, I'm not memorizing 10 verses. I can't do that. Man, that's too hard. Church, can I tell you something? You know what statistics show? That if you were to read the Bible from cover to cover, it'd take you 72 hours if you're an average reader. And I got to be transparent with you. A few weeks ago, God began to stir in my heart the fact that I spend entirely too much time on this bad boy. And Apple has done a really, really cool thing. They tell you how much time you've spent on it. And not just how much time you've spent on the phone, how much time you've spent on Twitter. How much time you've spent on Instagram. How much time you've spent on Facebook. How much time, some of y'all crazy folks that need to pray to Jesus about this, how much time you spent on Snapchat? If you can't tell, I'm not a Snapchat fan. It tells you all this stuff, and one day that I looked at it, I had spent almost 11 hours on my phone in some way, shape, or capacity. Phone calls, text messages, emails, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what I realized was in seven days, the amount of time that I spent on my phone, if I'd have spent it reading God's Word, I could have read it from cover to cover. The other thing is there will be 52 weeks in a year an opportunity for us to learn 52 different verses of Scripture. But here's what we'll say. Oh, man, I can't do that. Okay? If we can't do 52 verses of Scripture, and I'm, I'm with you, I probably would say that I can't do that. But there's 12 months in a year. You could learn 12 verses of Scripture in a year. Because, church, I don't know if you know this or not, but we're in a battle. And the way we fight that battle is with the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 6, look at what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and his shoes on your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance. Making supplication for all the saints and also for me, Paul says, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Will you pray with me? Father, forgive me for the stupidity in my life. God, forgive me for the ignorance of what I don't know. 
But God, today, I pray that as Sean has reminded us often, God, do not count against me what's in my head for what is in my heart belongs to you. Hide me behind your cross today. Fill me up with your presence and show up and show out in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. So in this text this morning that we're about to break down, and we're going to have to do it quicker, Warren Wiersbe says this, sooner or later, every believer will discover that the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. Every believer will soon discover that the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground, and he faces the enemy who is much stronger than he is apart from the Lord. Wiersbe goes on and says, so much that Paul should use military, a military illustration to illustrate the, to the believers the conflict that they are going to have with Satan. Be reminded, church, that in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is chained to a Roman soldier because of the simple fact he realizes he is in a battle and he has been put in that prison for preaching the gospel. He is chained to that soldier as he writes this text. I understand what you're thinking, but I'm not chained to a soldier and, or I'm not chained to a prison guard, but church, hear me this morning. And you make sure you don't miss this, but every last one of us are chained to something. Every last one of us are chained to something. As a Christian, we face three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world refers to the system around us that is opposed to God that caters to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and, and the pride of life. That's our first enemy. The second enemy is the flesh. It is the old nature that we inherited from Adam and Eve, a nature that is opposed to God, can do nothing spiritual to please God. So our first enemy, church, is the world. Our second enemy is the flesh. And our third enemy, hmm, Our third enemy is ourself. But praise be to God, He has overcome. He has overcome the old nature through His death and His resurrection. Amen? In this passage that we'll look at in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, we're going to look at three different things. We're going to look at the enemy. We're going to look at the equipment, and we're going to look at the energy. Look with me real quickly at the enemy. In church, you cannot say that you believe the Word of God if you only believe part of it. Many of you, when you read texts like this, it does one of two things to you. First, it causes you to go, there's no way that's true. Or number two, it scares the heck out of you, and you just don't want to read it. Listen to what it says, the enemy, verses 10 and 12. 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The first of all is, is that enemy has a name and his name is Satan. It's the devil. And you know what the devil is? He's a punk. And John 10.10 says he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Look at verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers and against the authorities and against cosmic powers of the present darkness and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Church, if we're going to win the battle, we got to know who we're fighting against. And the enemy has a name and his name is Satan. But church, I don't know if you know this or not. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. Please don't tell him. He does not win. We do. Do you realize, church, that the reason Satan reminds you of your past, because that's the only thing that he has control over, and he doesn't realize that in the future that he's going to be defeated and has already been defeated by the cross of Jesus Christ and by the resurrection from the dead. So the first thing is the enemy. The second thing is, is the equipment, and that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. So pick up with me in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Church, can I just be honest with you? We're not even in the battle. No, hear me. I'm not saying we're not in a battle, but what I'm saying is we're not in the battle. We're getting smoked right now. Satan is whooping our tails, church, because we're not in the battle. We're sitting on the sidelines. Sad thing is most of us are not even on the bench, and we want to be in the game, but we're not even on the bench. We're in the stands, and here's the sad thing. Most of us haven't even bought a ticket to the game, and we're not in the stands. We're sitting on our couch or our recliner, and we're watching it from home in the comfort of our homes, and we're trying to stay safe, and we think we're good. But church, let me tell you something. Either you will come to the battle, or the battle will come to you. Forgive me, I lost my voice because we're in the, we finished up the second round of playoffs yesterday. We still got the third, the fourth, and north half in state. So I'm just telling you, probably in a couple of weeks, Sean going to be preaching like three weeks in a row because the pastor can't do it anymore. Because, you know, that's how we fight the battle. We fight the battle from the stands when none of us are the nine on the field. I love Mike Bianco's tweet yesterday. Or his quote yesterday, after his 800th win at Ole Miss, he said, I don't pitch the ball, I don't catch the ball, I don't hit the ball, so I'm not real sure why in the world y'all talking to me about 800 wins, because I didn't win a single one of them. I love that mindset, because it's true. The equipment. Look at verse 14. Satan is a liar, and how do we fight those lies? With truth. Pick up with me in verse 14. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Church, can I tell you something? I wear a belt because I need it. But I also wear a belt so that it keeps things in the right area. A belt is fastened because of the simple fact it holds everything else of this armor together, and without the belt, you don't have a thing. 
I love how Paul says, stand for having fastened the belt of truth. Church, the world will tell you lots of truth, but there is only one absolute truth, that Jesus is the same yesterday as he is today, as he will be tomorrow, and you can trust him. The second part of the equipment, look at 14b. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day of having done, evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Listen to this, church. The breastplate is the piece of armor that was usually made of metal or chains, and it would literally cover you from the neck to your waist, front and back. You know why? Because it protected all your main arteries. It would almost be like a modern-day soldier as he is wearing his bulletproof vest or a police officer as he or she wears that vest because it is protecting the most important part of your body. In church, it's not just protecting your heart. It's protecting your lungs and your liver and your uh, and kidneys and all the others. And the reason the breastplate is so important is because the enemy doesn't play fair. Church, I'm convinced of this this morning. Hear me. If we don't have the breastplate, Satan's coming for the heart. He's coming for the heart. And I love how Paul says the breastplate of righteousness. Listen to this. The key to live a godly life is righteousness. Hence, therefore, we just finished up a sermon series in Romans Romans, Paul's letter to Rome, the, the righteous shall live by faith. The breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. Look at verse 15, the shoes, it's all about the shoes. If you don't think so, just ask one of my teenage boys. Man, they can wear the worst pants, shorts, t-shirt, hat on the planet, but their shoes are going to be clean. You hear me, church? Like, I don't know if you know this or not, but we'll spend more money on shoes. And ladies, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. We like the shoes. Sad thing is, we'll buy shoes that aren't comfortable because of the way they look. And then we'll complain knowing that they weren't comfortable when we bought them. And then we'll act as if it's a problem. You knew it when you bought them. But I like the way I look in them. Praise God, in his army, it's not about how you look. It's about what's effective. Listen to what it says in verse 15. And as shoes for your feet, having put on, listen to this church, shoes on your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I love this. Literally, church, those soldiers in that day would take sandals and they put nails in the bottom. And I'm not talking about Crocs with socks. Oh, my goodness. Why do you people do that? <laughs> there ought to be a, like, a, like a sheet of paper in the box. If you wear socks with these Crocs. <laughs> Lord, pray for them. 
but they would take nails and put them in their sandals so that they could have good gripping. Really almost like baseball cleats with spikes today so that the runner can dig in and hit the ball so that he can run fast and not get caught up in the dirt and the sand. And church, I want to tell you, the only way that happens is with the gospel. What you walking in this morning? Are you walking in the life of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ? It starts with the gospel, and the gospel brings us peace. Look at what it says. And the shoes for your feet have been put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. It starts with the gospel. The gospel brings us peace, but not only to us, but it gives us peace so that we can have peace with others. You remember me telling you, that we got three enemies, the world, the flesh, and you. You know who gets in the way of everything in your life? You do. At least it is in my life. I mean, God has given me peace, but I won't let you have peace because I want to cause conflict and pain in your life. Church, Jesus is telling us and Paul is telling us if you want to have peace, it can only be found in the gospel. The shield of faith, verse 16. Man, y'all can go ahead and make your way out if you want to. Verse 16, the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Listen to this. The shield was huge. Four feet by two feet. Usually made of wood covered with tough leather. And something awesome happened with the shield. The shield was built so that they could interchange with one another. So that when they walked into battle, they could put their shields in front of them. And Bubba, if you were on my right, your shield would lock into me. And John, if you were on my left, your shield would lock into me. And you know what that says to us, church? Faith was never intended to be done by ourselves. The shield of faith. Wiersbe says that he believes that Paul writes this to suggest that we are not in this battle alone. Verse 17a, the helmet of salvation, and take up the helmet of salvation. I can remember playing Little League football, tackle. They put a helmet on my head and didn't have a whole lot of padding on it. And my coach would always slap me on top of my head and say, son, you got to protect that noggin. And I'm like, coach, if you would quit hitting me in the head, my noggin would be just fine. But you know why it is called the helmet of salvation? Because the battle that you and I find ourselves in almost every single day, church, if it started in our heart, we would win because Jesus owns it, follower of Jesus. But most often, the reason we have to put on the helmet of salvation is because the enemy knows if he can get our mind, then he can control our body. Some of you might know this, some of you might not. I'm a second generation firefighter. My dad was a firefighter. My brother was a firefighter. I'm a firefighter. I've been doing it for almost 22 years now. And the most important piece of protection in our fire clothing for me is my helmet. 
for two reasons. Number one, most of the time you got falling debris in a fire. But secondly, on the back of my helmet, I was going to bring it in. Sorry, I'll go ahead and let you know I'm going to use it in the 11 o'clock as an illustration. But on the back of my fire helmet, there's two accountability tags. And when I get on the scene, I go to my safety officer and I give him one. And he knows that Fish Robinson is in that structure. And the second one is attached to the back of my head, church, the back of my helmet. So if the unforeseeable would happen and that fire might actually beat me and it might take my life, they could be able to identify who I am. And church, what I want you to see this morning is, is that your helmet that is called the helmet of salvation, that is your identity. See, some people have been to church and they've understood that grandma ain't going to slap you if you, don't, if you clap, okay? And some of you have been to church that if you did clap, grandma slapped you and so you're just so confused and you don't know what to do. But when God says something good, it's okay to say amen out loud. And when you believe in something, it's okay to clap and it's okay to cheer and it's okay to, to get a little excited because I don't know if you know church, we get excited in every area of our life except our spiritual one. Thank you guys for being willing to get a little excited. Maybe we'll all catch on. Finally, the sword of the Spirit. Look at the end of verse 17. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is probably my favorite piece, church, because it's the only offensive weapon that, Paul, that God uses Paul to provide for us in the armor of God. Man, I don't know if you know this or not. Man, I want to be in the fight my whole life, my mouth's been overloading my abilities. But can I just tell you something, the church, I want to be in this battle. And I know that the only way I can fight this battle is I got to have a sword. Hebrews 4.12 says that is as sharp, the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. We are in a battle, church, and it only will be won through the word of God. So why do you think I want you to memorize 10 verses of scripture? Because you got to know who your enemy is. You got to know your equipment. And finally, you got to know where your energy comes from. Check this out as we close this morning. Look at verses 18 through 20. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. I know what some of you are saying. You're telling me, Pastor, that prayer brings energy. I don't feel energy when I pray. Can I just be real, real blunt? Maybe you're not doing it right. And maybe it's not that you're not doing it right. Maybe you're praying lots of times like I do. But maybe you're not praying big enough prayers. Listen to this. I, I retweeted this this week. Robbie Gallaty, pastor, writer, author, says this. If revival in your church depended upon your prayers, your faith, your obedience, would we experience revival? If 
revival in your church depended upon your prayers. Church, can I just be totally real with you this morning? If revival's gonna come to this church until this week, I wasn't praying with a boldness and a desire and a want to see revival happen. That starts with me. But if you remember the old preacher at the old revival meeting, you know, church, most of us in this room think revival is a week in the fall and a week in the spring. No, church, revival is when you draw a circle around yourself and say, God, I need a personal revival. He says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And at that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. Prayer brings energy. And then look at what Paul does. I love how humble he is here. He says, and also for me. Pray also for me that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're in a battle and we need revival and revival needs your prayer. Revival needs your obedience. But revival also needs you. Listen to this. Robbie goes on and says this. We cannot start a fire of revival, but we can stack the wood with prayer. We personally, church, cannot bring the revival. Only God can. Only Jesus can. Only the Holy Spirit of God can. And we might not be able to bring it, but we can stack the wood in prayer. We're in a battle. You need to know your enemy. He has a name. His name is Satan. You need to know your equipment. And it starts with the belt. And it has a breastplate. And you got a shield. And you got a helmet. And you got a sword. Quit watching the battle from your recliner. Quit watching the game from the stands and take up God's word and get into the battle. Will you pray with me? Father, I'm a messed up dude and I got entirely too much junk in my trunk. And God, I know that so often in my life, my struggles are me. It starts in my mind, God. It's lived out in my flesh, God. And God, I know if I'm in a battle, then we're all in a battle. And God, I'm thankful this morning for your word. I'm thankful for the truth of your word. And God, I beg you this morning 
to do two things, if you don't mind, God. And your word says we have not because we ask not. The first is this. May we acknowledge today we're in a battle. And secondly, may we invite you into the battle with us. Because who fights our battles? You do. God, I pray for salvation in these moments. I pray for the chains of that which we are chained to this morning to be broken. And God, I pray this morning that the enemy will go back to hell because that's where he's going. That's where he's going to be. He cannot touch me. He cannot touch us. But God, we beg you this morning that we would be reminded that your love for us is reckless and our love for you must be reckless, but our love for others must be reckless as well. My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.